Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast with myself, Roy Shanahan. As usual, the BigKickoff.com's Nathan Doyle. And joining us today from Irish Footy Vlogs, it's Keith Fitzsimons. Keith, delighted to bring you on to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast. Yeah, thanks very much, Roy. Great to be on. No problem. Listen, the Ireland squad drew today 0-0 with Wales in the Nations League at the Aviva. With Seamus Coleman, David McGoldrick, James McCarthy out injured, Aaron Connolly and Adam Eda out due to being a close contact to a positive case of coronavirus, which we now learn turned out to be a false positive. Things only got worse this morning when one player tested positive and four others dropped out because of being a close contact. Nathan, under the circumstances, how do you think the team performed? Um, It was a bit of a drab game in places, I'm sure we'll agree. But again, for me, I have to say, if you just move away from the the board nature of the game, I thought, similar to the Slovakia game, probably not on the same level. I thought there was some positives once again to take away from this game. I thought in places the the passing was composed, it was zips, it wasn't pretty wasn't again it wasn't as good as the Slovakia game, but he had that moment, he certainly did. For me, I thought players like uh, Malumbi really impressed me in the midfield. I thought he was probably the best player out there for Ireland. Robbie Brady had a decent enough game too. A lot of people will be disappointed with just the general nature, but that's a decent Wales team to kept up there, you know, another clean sheet for Ireland. Of course, we're missing just we're missing any sort of killer instincts up top. But I think if you can look at just the deleted nature of that Ireland team, it's it's a decent performance, decent results more so, but um it's what it's not the one, it's, it's, it's it was bad, it was a bit dull, it was a bit bored in the coins, but they had that moment, Ireland, and they had moments of positivity for me. I thought um, it wasn't all doom and gloom, really. Keith, the team that started, were you happy with it? There really wasn't much room to manoeuvre with, was there? Oh, it was very difficult. Like, you know, the cases of, well, there's only one COVID case, but, you know, players are missing because they're in close contact and things like that. Um, happy enough with the selection, yeah. Um, I do think, I agree actually with Nathan there. 100% really but I do also think that there's a bit of a hangover if I'm honest from the Slovakia game which is natural you know we went into extra time penalties the mental kind of fatigue and the mental disappointment from that came into the game as well um, another exercise as well for Stephen to get his ideas across and that kind of thing as well and you know obviously <laughs> the blow as well the long going off injured as well and Matt Doherty <laughs> had yeah just to help, you know, he had to go into centre back and Christie came on. They done okay, you know. As Nathan said, decent well side. Um but definitely a hangover from the games of the weekend, I think, no doubt. Yeah, and if you looked at the games that we've had, it's it's been we haven't scored goals, but it's two clean sheets in these two last two games. And it's not because we're shutting up shop. We are open, we are the f- team that are putting the, the foot forward and, and looking to try create things. So there is a change there. There's a definite change in, in, in the attitude. And even when you listen to Ryan Giggs and Aaron Ramsey talking after the match, they kind of edged the Ireland ahead of Wales. And that's them talking about us. And before, when we played them, uh, these teams, we always seemed to be on the back foot. Yeah, big time. I mean, yeah, it's great to see. I mean, we'll probably talk about the Slovakia game a little bit, will we, as well. But uh, just the general pass and movement and different angles of pass and that kind of thing as well. It's great to see. 
you know, some of these players like Maloney, I agree, he's done very well today. Great to see him come in. So that's a huge positive, actually, as well, more than anything else, to see something come up. Someone like him come in from 21, step up to the international senior level. I thought, you know, he played very well. We do lack the cutting edge, though, but that is an issue, isn't it, for generally? Yeah, Nathan, scoring goals is a problem. Chances were made but we're far from clinical. We've had opportunities against Slovakia, Hurin, great opportunity. Brown, maybe the, f- the first opportunity, more than the one hitting the post. And then today against Wales, obviously Shane Long's uh, opportunity where you'd rather it came to his head than his foot. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a simple one, really, to, to hit the target and you've scored. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, especially in the Slovakia game, he should be scored. Ireland should have won that game in the 90 minutes for the chances that he had but even today like you said you mentioned the Shane Long chance for the guy that isn't the biggest lad in the world he's very good in the year and he has proven that he has a good head of the ball he has a good leap and even Robbie Brady had a decent chance in the first half outside the box where he was sort of central to goal he could cut the ball to his left foot and he's expecting to even get it on target but he just hit a wire so there is just that little little missing killer instinct in a lot of the guys in the, in the team like, get away from the fact we don't have a natural goal scorer whatsoever in the team. But just in the guys that we have going forward, there's no, there seems to be no real end product in them at all. And it's been proven in the past, it's, well, it's been proven for a while now, but it has been proven, especially in the Slovakia game. And then once again, it was proven today. But he had chances. Like, it was a nil all game, but certainly there was a certainly moment that Ireland could have made, made that into a 1 nil, 2 nil game uh, for them. And he had the chances to pick up the, the three points in the group. Yeah. Looking at the game, and there's a lot of people who are putting the Irish team down, putting Stephen Kenny down, saying that we're, you know, we're a poor team, Slovakia are a poor team, Wales aren't great. The whole thing is, is that you have to look at it at a bigger picture than just that these teams aren't aren't Spain, these teams aren't France. You have to look at the bigger picture of, is there going to be progression? Where is the progression going to come from? And I think we're seeing that now. But what about the Jack Bourne question? Surely he's, Keith, he's worth some game time, but surely also he's not the total answer that people make him out to be. Yeah, actually, in the head there, really. I don't think he is the total. He's not uh, Andrea Pirlo, let's be honest about it as well. But at the same time, I was, I was surprised he got no game time today, to be honest. He had Horahan in, he had Hendrick in, who both played, I think, didn't they play 120 minutes? They did play 120 minutes yeah. against Slovakia. So I would have thought Bourne would have got in. Malumpy is kind of a similar style player, but you can still play Bourne kind of further up. So I was very surprised that Bourne didn't get any game time in that game today. And going back quickly to the Slovakia game, actually, I thought we missed a lot of great chances. I think the one was Horahan, actually. That was the best chance. You know, he, all he had to do was tap it into the corner. And we go 1-0 up. So that was really disappointing, I thought. But the performance was excellent. I was very impressed with the way we played although disappointed that we got knocked out eventually. Yeah, and I, I do think that it's a, it's a work in progress. You've got to give time. I actually have a, a, a bet with a friend of mine. He thinks that Steve, this Stephen Kenny team is going to fail. It's going to fall flat on his face. We have a tenor bet now that he, he, he believes that he'll be gone by the third World Cup game. Uh, so we put a tenor on that. I'm not so sure. I'm seeing a lot of good things out there. And uh, I think there's a lot of people out there with, with, with blinkers on. And 
yeah, I, 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 I can't really understand it. I, I'm trying to put my finger on why they're so negative, but maybe they're just used to being so negative. So we'll leave it at that. We'll be doing a show midweek to talk, look back on the whole week, the three games, and uh, we'll discuss that more in, in, in deeper detail. Last week, Dundalk did everyone in the league proud in the Europa League, beating Classic of the Faroe Islands 3-1 in the Aviva to place themselves into the group stage for only the second time. Keith, it's a hell of an achievement and a draw against Arsenal, Rapid Vienna and Molde ticks all the boxes. Yeah, it's a massive achievement for the club and for the league and um, I think Dundalk were in heavy enough debt as well so I think they really needed this as well for catch boost, uh, catch boost to be honest with you. Um, obviously we look at the Arsenal game being the plum ties and the kind of magical ties if you like but I don't think Arsenal will play the strongest teams when those well, matches come around particularly you know for the second match if they're already through so it'll be interesting you never know they could get something there who knows but Molde and Rafa Vienna are the two that they're definitely going to target try and get a couple of wins and those if possible now that's not going to be easy because they'll see Dundalk and feel they can beat them as well but great for the league great for Dundalk and good news story for them obviously because they had a hard time with it in there earlier on the season it was all gone wrong for them yeah. so great to see that no it is it's brilliant and Nathan the journey isn't over because just because they qualified and into the group stage you don't just hang up your boots and, and take that they really need to be positive have a good attitude go out and look to get resu- results you know there's there's big prize money for winning around 350,000 around 170,000 per draw uh, something like that so they really have got to go out there and uh, give it their all yeah, you're spot on there. Like, there's not only pride at stake, and they want to show face too and show that, like, that the league can, the teams can come in from the League of Ireland and they can play in the group stages at a competitive and a regular basis, hopefully. But there is still financial gain to come from this, to come from these games. Like, people like Hale and Dan Kelly's goals to send them through as the, the 3 million euro goal. But, like I said, if you can pick up three points, or if you can push up a point even again in, the, in these games, there is money to come from it. And they've done it. We've seen them doing it before back in 2016. They picked up a draw against AZ Alkmaar and they beat Tel Aviv at home. So they're, they're more than capable, you showing at going to this level and picking up points. And those two games uh, that I mentioned, Alkmaar and Tel Aviv, were the two opening games. So, look, you never know. They have a, an opening game at home for Molde, which, like we said, Molde are probably the ones you'd really pick out of that group and say, Do you know what, it's fancy them to get something out of them if they are going to get something out of anybody. Home toy them all day to start things off. You never know. You really never know. So um, if they could pick up something there and, and get off to a good start, even a draw, I'm sure they take at this stage. But there's still plenty to pay, play for away from court. There's still a lot of financial gain to get out of this group. Keith, how have you assessed Filippo Giovagnoli's start with Dundalk? He's a likeable character, isn't he? He is, yeah. No, he's coming to the league. I think he's done brilliantly. You know, the likes of John Sheridan came in. A lot of people, fair to say, didn't really take to him. You know, I don't know, he seemed to have some kind of a, an attitude against the league. I remember saying that he'd be gone um, at the end of the season, but he's gone actually before that, that he'd leave, like, you know. But Philippe has come in, and as you say, he's a breath of fresh air, the likeable character. Um, we didn't know much about his background. I mean, you were looking at research, and you're, you know, he was part of, a, you know, setups over in America and that kind of thing, youth setups and things like that. But, you know, he's come in, he's going to crack it. I think I don't know how he's done to be honest because there seems to be a lot of negativity around Dundalk and you had you know Vinnie Pert seemed to be in fighting with the owners and that kind of thing Filippo's come in been brilliant um, 
you know, the Federer and his capitalism to get to the group stages and he'd be looking to continue that. It looks like he'd be manager for next season as well, which is great for him. I think it's good for the league to get someone different in. You know, we see the same manager sometimes around different clubs. So to get someone different in, you know, from another country essentially is great, I think. Yeah, and I think there'll be a few more stories coming out about Dundalk as time goes by. I'm sure that's not all just it. Listen, either side of the European game, They've rested first-team players and gained only one point from two games. Uh, nil all draw against Finn Harps, the most recent. Nathan, they need to be very careful or they'll miss out on Europe again next year because that seems to be the plan with the with the, the owners. Get yourself into Europe and make some money. Yeah, we've said it a couple of times on the show and everybody that uh, these owners haven't gone to hand around. They, they've made their business known that they want the dog to be regular um, competitors in, the, in group stages of major European competitions. So they're just sitting in sixth place now at the moment. I know they have a, I think they were the two or three games in hand now. But you still have to go out and win them games. Just because you have games in hand doesn't mean you automatically um, pick yourselves into European position. Like we already, we, let's be honest. Like we all know, Jamaica was going to win the league. Bohemians have secured Europe. So them European spaces are starting to dry up now. So they really need to start picking up points uh, in the upcoming games to really get themselves in there because. Even though they're into the Europe, the Europa League group stages, if they don't make uh, Europe for next season, could you really look at it as a successful season? And it's great in the short term, but they'll need to keep getting into the Europa League and keep it in the group stages of these competitions to keep themselves uh, financially afloat and to keep these owners interested in Dundalk. Because if that's not going to happen, like these owners, I don't, they're not in it for the love of the town or they're not in it for the love, love of the club. They want to get Dundalk into European competitions on a regular basis. So, you need to start winning some of these games that you have left and the draw against Finn Harps in their most recent game was surprising to be honest really was surprising especially at home it's a game they're expecting to win so it's not all over yet we can celebrate that they got in it's great to see them get into the group stage it's a great achievement but still a lot to do in the domestic side of things and they've got Bowes next weekend which it's not going to be an easy game at all whatsoever uh, but they do have Cork midweek and uh, Keith Cork City have let a few players go and manager Neil Fenn is gone. With, I think Colin Healy's taken over. It doesn't look good for them in, in, in the, the short term, does it? No, it doesn't look good at all. Does it? I mean, they were beaten well again at the weekend by both Bohemians, actually, but three goals to nil as well, weren't they? Um, yeah, Cork City, you know, they're a club. Obviously, they've lost Darrell Connor. I'm not sure what's happening with him yet. He has been linked with Bohemians, which is interesting, uh, with Twardick going. Maybe there's an opening there as well. But, um, look, the Roosters are at the bottom of the table. I don't see them getting many more points either. They play Sligo, um, they play Dundalk. I can't remember their other fixture, but they Waterford as well, big derby. So, you know, they probably need to win two of them, don't they? The league table, the way it is, it's it's not looking good. But they, they, don't, they don't seem to be picking up the points that they really do need. They're, they're two points off in Harps, seven points off uh, Shelbourne. So it's it's hard to see them to, to double their, the, the amount they've got so far. Yeah, and they're not scoring goals either. And I think Dundalk no. was probably a strong team out, unfortunately, for them when they play Cork because there's no European games you know, around that. So it's very difficult to see Cork get out. If they've changed their manager, they're hoping for a bit of a bounce as well. But unfortunately, that didn't happen at Dalyman Park. I really can't see them staying up. If they do, it'll be a great job. But I can't see it. They need two wins out of three. I can't see them getting it. Yeah. Uh, if Nathan if Cork get relegated to the first division the way they're looking now there's no guarantee of an immediate return no there certainly isn't and 
Like just like uh, Keith mentioned, Dara O'Connor is gone. He's on paper, he's one of their better players, but he was limited with his game time in, in recent weeks before his departure. There's talk of other guys going, there's talk of um, up to six or seven players leaving. Like I said, Neil Fane is gone. They have um, Colin Healy coming in till the end of the season. They're going to probably have a look at what is the new system there, aren't they, lads? So they're going to have to look at younger guys into the club and sort of build again and, and build again because of the fourth division. That's no mug league. That, that's a really, really tough competitive league every year. We're seeing it, especially this season. But that league is full of experienced players that know the league, know the Premier Division, even forget the fourth division. Like, there's plenty of guys down there that have played in the Premier Division on a regular basis. The tough experience of some talented young players coming into the fourth division. So, like, let's, like for me, I think Cork City are gone. And if I was a betting man, I, I wouldn't be betting on them to come back up in the fourth attempt if I'm honest. I really wouldn't. I think it's just, they're going to find themselves in a tough situation over the next couple of years, Cork. It's going to take a while to build, to build back up and to, to, to come back into the Premier Division. Which is a shame because, you know, Cork are a huge side with a huge catchment area, a great fan base. And like, they were champions not that long ago. Three years ago now, they were champions. So it's a shame to see, but it looks like, looks just like the, the inevitable now at this stage is going to happen. Unfortunately for Cork, it's not, it's not looking good at all. Nathan, you've already alluded to a few moves that have happened and there's been a couple of players on the move outside of the league, including your favourite from Bowes. Talk us through them. Yeah, I've... I always had a little team for Chris this season, didn't I, Chris Warding? I don't know what it was. Anytime he mentioned Bowles, I seem to be a, a big fan of him. But yeah, fair play. He's on him. He, well, he's gone now. He went over to Poland to where uh, Jagger Leona. I got it right this week. Happy days. He's gone for a report of uh, 40, 40 grand. So a decent fee for a guy that's going to be out of contract in a couple of weeks. So you can see why Bowles cashed in on him. Look, he's a very good player. I've seen him at Sligo even, and he really impressed me, especially at his last season at Sligo. I thought he started to really get into the league. Like he's a big, he's a big guy, big physical guy, but he's very, very pacey and skillful with the ball too. So he has a lot really going for him, and you can see why other people are interested in him uh, for a lot of the attributes. Still only 23 as well, so you can understand why Bowles did cash in, and especially they have someone like uh, Danny Grant and Andre War, uh, sorry, Andre Royce still in the team. That um, you'd imagine that that they have enough going forward with what he have, and you can bring somebody in for next season. They'd be delighted, like uh, Keith there. They're looking at Daryl O'Connor. They're already looking to fill up the gap that Squad uh, has left. But Fraser is great. My other guy, so best luck to him. Any others on the move? Yes, there is. We have um, two actually that myself and Keith would know about. Uh, being two Pat fans, one probably a little bit more surprising than the other. The one that surprised me was Dan Ward. Uh, the Pat confirmed. Uh, on social media that he left by mutual consent he's gone to Gatehead now who play in the National League North and you can sort of understand it like uh, Dan himself from South Shields up in the the, uh, the North of England so you can understand it's a move that makes sense for him uh, good player in fairness I was surprised that he's limited enough with his game time at past I thought he's I've seen him I don't know but Juki I thought he really impressed me in the midfield so I thought of Themselves and Benson could have got a little partnership going. The chemistry there would have been really good, and I thought yeah, Dan had a lot of potential. Yeah, no, I think he's done very well as well. To be fair, I'd say it had to do with just going home. Essentially, I'd say yeah. if he probably would have wanted to keep him if he could, and um, you know, Gateshead, as you say, is near to his home and that. But uh, I thought he was talking about the other guy now, who maybe a bit of a different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like 
now, don't get me wrong, it was surprising, but I think you, you won't see many uh, tears being shed in Chicago for uh, Martin Rennie, also leaving by mutual consent. He's gone back to Scotland, he's gone back to Mount Rose, he's playing the Scottish League One. Um, he was actually he was very first ever international transfer when he came to St. Pat's. But he's gone back to Mount Rose, uh, to Mount Rose on a two-year deal. And again, I'm sure Keith can confirm this. Any time I've seen a play by Pat up top, or he got Bambi and I uh, in the head. He was he was honestly one of the, without being too harsh on the guy, he was one of the worst players I've seen in a long time at St. Pat's just let a jersey. Any time he came on off the bench, like you'd hear an active groan from, from the fans. So... It sort of sums up, really, doesn't it? It was a strange one, Nathan, because wasn't he recommended by Patrick Craig, the assistant? He was, yeah. So uh, maybe he won't be allowed to recommend any more players, I don't know. Well, I believe Pat paid a fee, believe it or not, to get him as well. Mm. Yeah, so, I think it was in the, in the, the 12,000 mark, wasn't it? Yeah, you think that Montrose got a bit of a fee for him, and then they got him back in a free. They're the big winner for them, yeah. Like So if you think at the start of the season, they got, I think it was like 12,000 for the player. And mm-hmm. so they still have that money, and then all of a sudden he, he's coming back on a free. So we're waiting for them. And by, by all accounts, he's loved that uh, Montrose. He's a really, he's a well-respected player, and he's a decent goal-scoring record at that level. So they'll be delighted with how this turned out. <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's an odd time because of the COVID and and the, the transfer windows being moved across the water. So the, I doubt we'll see too many more moves like this. Um, this time next year although who knows what's going to happen this time next year uh, the first division it's Keith it's it's chopping and changing every week and, and you really couldn't call it if you, if you were to put a few bets on, on who's going to win on any given week in the first division yeah, I'm not sure you're coming out with any money yeah it has been but I think now after Bray Wanderers winning away to Shamrock over B I think it's one hand in the trophy to be honest with you and the five points here Drotada they have two games left Drotada three games left Strata for me have to win all three games, which means obviously nine points. Because if Bray win one of the last two, that puts them age clear. Very difficult to see Strata win the last three games. And like I say, Bray have at loan as well, so you fancy them winning that, wouldn't you? Oh yeah. Well, again, yeah, again, a lot, a lot, long went into a little bit of form, got themselves off the bottom. I think they're third from bottom now on on twelve points. So you you never know. It all depends on what happens with nerves now. But uh, we did think that draw that we're gonna lead this out and uh, on on the home straight. But they they haven't done that. Who do you think then? If let's put it this way, Nathan, if Bray do take that top spot, which they should probably do, and and their favourites too do. Who do you think comes out best out of the rest uh, to join them? Um, I think you will see Drotter finishing second. I think you will. Um, obviously, Longford out a point behind them. Longford they have to play uh, Cole Ramblers and Wexford. Two games that you like, probably not the hardest games on paper, but I just think Drotter have enough. They have enough uh, good balance of experienced heads and some cracking new players. There's some, there's some young lads that are playing at Drotter at the moment are fantastic. So for me, um, I agree with Keith. I think at the moment, Bray do have one hand in trophy. I know for a lot of the weeks on the show, I've seen the praises of Drotter. I fancy Drotter to, to win the fourth division comfortably enough. But I don't think it's going to work out quite that way. I really don't. Just, they, they might run out of games at this stage. But I think Drotter have enough to finish second in the league and probably go on and get to the playoff final. So you're dismissing every other team in the division now at this stage? No, I'm not right. listening to anybody. I just think of the ones that are left. I think you have, you have the strongest mix of uh, 
of youth and experience. But in fairness, I think you today are the sleepers too. You today are free scoring. So like Bannon in the goals, left foot and centre. You have the likes of uh, Whelan and, and uh, Maddie here, the two first division uh, top scorers. So I think if you're going to go, it's a bit of a, not an outsider, I can't say an outsider, but some sort of a dark horse, you could be more uh, But I think Drogba will have enough to get to the playoff final at least. Yeah, I think on any given day, I think UCD can be anyone. And I think that's that's why they're dangerous, I think, in, in the playoff uh, playoff games. Um, Keith, you wanted to step in there? Yeah, no, Drogba, well, this is the point Drogba They dropped a lot of points against the teams near the bottom of the league. That's a sickener for them because they beat Bray twice this season. But to drop points against that loan, they lost against that loan and drew against that loan as well. I think that's very disappointing for Drogba, to be fair. Um, they'll rue that, I think, at the end of the season. Galway could be a dark horse in the playoffs, though, if they get in. It's been great since John Coffey went in. Yeah, de- mm, definitely. Exactly. Again, that's it. They've got a bit of momentum as well. So, and when you're when you're talking about playoff games, you just never know then uh, what's going to happen there. So that's why that's going to be so interesting. Just taking a look before we go into the the fans' questions, FAI have well, more the IRFU have refused to let Dundalk play in the Aviva for their first game, which could see. And I don't know if this has developed at all since. Dundalk playing in Windsor Park, I believe they've held some sort of talks or, or, or have uh, seeked uh, an answer to see if they could play up there. Yeah, it's a strange one, isn't it? I think, you know, the IRFU even, I think, are they being a bit pedantic over the, the whole thing in a way, though? Um, what are they saying? They're trying to suggest that it would be, if luxury, the the team, rugby team, is supposed to be training there. Is that what the practice? Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're, they're what they're saying is kicking practice on, on the on the day. I think a kicking session or something like that. Yeah, that uh, even sounds worse. Yeah, it I want, just sounds a bit political for me. I don't know it doesn't sound right. Windsor Park, Dundalk is not too far from Dundalk. Let's be honest, they probably wouldn't mind playing Windsor Park, but at the same time, they should be playing their home games in the Republic, shouldn't they? Well, they can. They ha- seemingly, they have to play the three games at home in the same stadium yeah. so if they can't play in the Aviva they have to seek somewhere else now I know obviously Tala would be available and seemingly Tala is available so you think that would be the logical one but maybe they just don't want to be, go to Tala and, and want to get something a little bit closer to home but it doesn't make sense to me because no fans can go anyhow That's something to do with VAR actually I heard there was a set up wasn't there yeah. I think uh, I don't think Tala is set up for it at the moment isn't it only doesn't have the technology available for the Europa League group stage games. They're going to have to get that in if that's uh, where Dundalk are going to play the games. Okay, well, surely that's possible. <laughs> mm. yeah, well, you, yeah, it's still possible. You would think so. I, I tried yeah. to put the shoe on the other foot and I could probably see where the IRFU are coming from. I mean, if, if Ireland had a training session, no matter if it's only kicking practice or whatever, if Ireland had a training session on the lead up to a Nations League or qualifying campaign game, I don't, I'm not sure you'd be saying, listen, Leinster, yeah, you can come in and play your game when we're supposed to be training there. I think people would be kind of a little bit put out the other side too. What do you think? Possibly, yeah. I suppose we need to know the details a bit more as well because all you see the headlines and that kind of thing and little articles and that, like they want it for kick and practice. It just sounds, you know, it sounds like they're taking the, the mickey, so to speak, a little bit, doesn't it? it does but we need to find out, I think, as well, to be honest, which is um, the interest to see what develops in the next few weeks. But it would be a pity if they couldn't use Tata Stadium, to be honest, which is they have to use Windsor Park. Yep. Uh, Nathan, you had a couple of questions, didn't you, from a couple of fans that you, you got off? 
Yeah, I have a couple in the uh, pipeline for this week. Um, we were talking about Dundalk earlier, obviously. Uh, so this one is sent in by Stephen McCarthy. And Stephen wants to know, with everything that's going on with Dundalk now, getting into the Europa League group stages, what's your favourite European game involving a League of Ireland Cup? Keith, you can go first. We go first, I like. Um, it might be a bit biased, but I have to go Celtic and St. Patrick's Athletic. I think it was in 1998. Um, it's a long way back to some of the listeners may not remember it. But it was my first memory of kind of a big European, you know, proper European game between a League of Ireland club and a European giant. And obviously Celtic and all that kind of that, you know, the attention Celtic would bring. The Pats actually drew nil nil as well, and they played very well in the day and probably should have won the match. One I always remember, and it's not that the result never came out, but it was, do you remember Shelbourne versus Rangers? And uh, Shells went 3-0 up. I think the likes of Mark Rutherford and Gagan and stuff were playing with, with Shells at the time. And Rangers had a, 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 a basically a shit-hot team at that stage. And of course, there's no love loss between Rangers and, 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 and Irish fans. You know, of course, everyone seems to be a Celtic fan. So those early moments going three and a up, that was probably the, the the most excited I got about a European game. Although Spurs against uh, Shamrock Rovers over there uh, was was quite a good game too. I think um, was it Stephen Rice who scored over there? I think that that that, that was a great game too. Again, I know both got beaten, but uh, still, still uh, good 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 memories. And uh, I still to this day can't understand in that Shelbourne and Rangers game how they gave two penalties away for handball for punching the ball in the air. It just baffles me what happened then. So I think I'm still in shock about that one. What about yours, Nathan? And it was in Prestbell and Tranmere, of course, which was a bit strange at the time as well. That's right. Well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I never thought of that one. Nathan, what's yours? <laughs> oh, you know me, I'm always a, a sentimental little soul with all these kicks, right? Uh, again, it's probably a little bit biased going with the St. Pat's game, but uh, I went with the person that came to mind, saw that it as well, and it was uh, Pat's game here to Berlin over in the RDS back in 2008. Was, uh, again, another nil all draw, but I remember Pat's game particularly very well on the day, especially Keith Fatty. It seemed to be Keith Fatty's really coming out party, which I sort of yeah. earned on his move over to Birmingham. Um, I was only yes, I would have been a, a lad at the time. So quick match, one sec. So I would have been twelve at the time, and I got a, got a day off school as well. So that's that's why he has a little bit of a uh, little bit of bias in the tick too. So yeah, that was my one. It's the first one that came to mind. I'm sure if I dug a little bit deeper into where uh, I've been to better games, I've been to games that perhaps actually won a game. But yeah, that's the first one that came to mind, and usually the best one to go with, isn't it? Just the first one that comes into the top of your head, and obviously have reasons of. Watching a decent game was nil all, but I think I remember on the day for a nil all draw was a very entertaining game, and you really got bound for your book if you went over and, had, and, and watched it. Good game. Second question, Nathan. Second one. It's it actually both these came in from Stephen McCarthy. He got me over a hole. I have to say, mate. Thanks very much if they're listening. So it was, uh, we were limited on the questions when I was putting this one out. So again, Stephen uh, referred to the obviously the transfer deadline day and everything that went on. Uh, reason enough. So Stephen wants to know, what's, your, what's the most intriguing recent transfer involving an Irish player? And Stephen said, it doesn't have to be League of Ireland, it can just be any Ireland player. So we mixed up a little bit. Keith, you're in again. Yeah, it's a weird one. I thought about this one long and hard. And unfortunately, it's very difficult, wasn't it? There hasn't been too many, actually, from Ireland. No, you know, if you think about it, so, you know, I kept coming back to Matt Doherty uh, going Spurs. I didn't want to read someone, but I, I was thinking I couldn't, I really couldn't get one in there. 
But Doherty was spurred for me. He's intriguing because it'd be interesting to see how he gets on with such a big club and under Josie Mourinho as well. You know, I think one of the things that Matt, his defensive output can be a bit ropey at times. So it'll be interesting to see if Jose can improve that in his game and if he can really stand up at that level and, I don't know, take the pressure out of the big club like Spurs. But um, it was a tough one. Troy Paris is an interesting one at Millwall as well, to be fair. I know it's alone, but even so. But if you go back over the years, you can't really pick them. Like, obviously, James Coleman went from Sligo to Everton. But you wouldn't have thought at the time that's intriguing as such, you know what I mean? So it was a tough one, to be honest with you. Yeah, I like the Troy Power one. The Troy, like, Troy Power really needs, um, now he's struggling with injury again, but going into the season, he needed a big season at, champ- at the championship level. So that was that was one for me that I agree with you that was really caught me eye and I thought, God, that'd be good to see Troy going and uh, getting a couple of goals for Millwall. And when you look at Troy Parrott now going to Millwall, Nathan, you look at it and you think, right, well, you know, there's been a lot of talk about you at Spurs, a lot of conversations with the English media, not along the Irish media, but the English media about putting them in for Spurs when Harry Kane isn't there. So there's probably a lot of pressure on him there at Millwall to score goals. He doesn't score goals at Millwall. You know, you could go south fairly quickly. Yeah, it's a stretch to call a make or break. Like, like there's a lot of hype around him. I know he's only a young lad, but there is an awful lot of hype around him. I've even seen people saying a couple of these Ireland's answer to the scoring problems. I don't know, about, I don't probably necessarily agree with that myself, but there is a lot of hype on the guy's shoulders. And like I said, if he doesn't go and produce on a regular basis and keep himself injury free on a regular basis at Millwall, all of a sudden, like all this hype and all this attention, he'll probably go away. He'll probably fade away at least. I think he's. Um, I don't see him as an out-and-out striker at this minute from what I've seen him. I've seen him close up later than his 21s as well, naive if you know what I mean. And I see him as more of a kind of a second striker, a link-up striker. He can score goals, don't get me wrong, but he's not what you call a attacking man. Like for the under-21s, he usually played in behind Adam Ida, for example. So, you know what I mean? He's a good creator, he's a good brain, he's got good vision and all that kind of thing. I just wonder, I'm not sure if Millwall will play him up front on his own as such, because if they do, I don't think that really suits his game, to be honest with you, from what I've seen of him. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting one. I'm, I'm hoping, of course, that he turns out to have uh, you know a bit of quality about him when he steps up the level. We know he has quality about him now, but when he steps up the level and plays against the better defenders and, and so on, we're hoping that he can... Like so many players that have come in of Ireland, there's been a lot who have not made it past a certain level. So it, it'll be interesting there. Uh, my ones, of course, are a bit, little bit closer to home for me because... <laughs> I'm always looking at Mark Travers, who's at Bournemouth, who came from Lucan United, and Conor Masterson, who came from Lucan United as well. And Conor's gone to QPR, and he's been in and out of the team. He's it's his, he's got a new deal. I think it's a three year deal with with QPR. He signed over the summer, so he's been in and out of the team and done well. Any time I've seen him, of course, one of the things, and it's like Jack Bourne. One of the things that you you look at at a player who goes from Ireland across to England is that you need to beef up. When you look at Jack Grealish there, Jack Grealish wasn't doing a whole lot and you see how much he's built himself up now. He's stocky legs, stocky on top. And now with that skill that he has, he's he's a more formidable force. And I just think Jack Bourne probably needs that. And I'm looking at Conor Masterson, especially as a defender, when you're coming up, you're going to come up against someone at the top level. I always think of Lukaku and Benteke. You're going to come up against them type of players. You need to be a solid 
player so you need to beef yourself up but so far his progression has been quite good Mark Travers has been in and out as well of course he's in the Irish squad today uh, today he was on the, on the bench and uh, he's had a couple of good performances and, and a couple of mistakes as you will have when, when you're an underage uh, when you're coming from the underage section into the, into the top flight so two of them are, are, are very interesting for me Nathan uh, the under 21 sides who, what players can you see sort of drip feeding into the Irish team Adam Eda is obviously there can, can you see him being a more permanent role yeah uh, I think Adam Eda you will see him coming into things uh, on a more consistent basis I think you'll see a lot of them coming in with Stephen Kenny's affiliation with the other 21s a lot of them will obviously admire him and respect him from his time at the 21s uh, similar to Keith I've seen a couple of games and I thought the, the under 21s played very well under Stephen Kenny um, on the top of my head I'd like to see Jason Knight coming into it a little bit and Thomas seen him play, I think he's a decent player. Uh, could, I think he actually might come into things now with such the, the depleted squads going in for, in for the Finland game. So someone like Knight, like Oda Femi, playing on a regular enough basis at, um, at Southampton in the Premier League, could be another one. Uh, I've been long about Darrell O'Shea to get a call up. I think he's a cracking centre-half. So yeah, I think they were the three that came to me mind straight away that I'd like to see come up from the under-21s and I'd like to see Adam Eder also staying the 21s on a consistent basis. I thought down on the 21 level, he's brilliant. So it'd be nice to see him settle in. Like it was probably tough to see him starting the games uh, at the beginning of, of Stephen uh, Kenny's reign. So to see him get a consistent run and to get settled and get confident in the team, it'd be good to see. Because there's plenty of talent in the under 21s. It's just, can they make the step up or not? Yeah, for me, Darrow Shea is one that's actually not in the senior squad at this minute in time. I mean, little surprise he actually wasn't called up uh, anyway, to be honest, because he can play right back and centre back. Um, very composed on the ball as well, like a lot of the underage players are in Ireland today as well, which is great to see. But he's one, I think, the big future ahead of him, playing the Premiership course at West Brom as well. One player I'm looking at is Gavin Bazuna, from Man City's at Lone Rochelle. Now, he was excellent with Shamrock Rovers when he came into the team. Real command, the kind of sort of goalkeeper. You know, he's got good height, obviously, but he's got great reflexes. He's alone at Rochdale, doing well apparently as well. So, if he can do well at Rochdale, he might throw himself in there. I know he's Cleveland Kelleher as well, but for me, Bazuna is the one with the most potential. Uh, might come back to bite me in the arse, that, but <laughs> I think he's the one with the most potential of the two, to be honest with you. Well, we, we've never really had a problem in the goalkeeping section, and that seems to be the way. I don't know if that comes from Gaelic football or just. I'm actually not too sure where it comes from. I'm not too sure that many of them came out of Gaelic football circles. So, but we've never had a problem there. And the rifle, we've always had a rifle. If we could just figure out how we get a centre forward going, we're flying. Okay, lads, that's it. We will talk more next week. Keith, do you want to tell us about your vlog? Yeah, I do a YouTube channel called Irish Buddy Vlogs. If people want to check it out, you know, content League of Ireland content, uh, Irish football national team content, all that kind of stuff. I do a weekly show. Uh, preview show and a review show every week as well. So if people want to check that on YouTube, uh, that'd be great. Thanks very much. Okay, that's brilliant. Uh, thanks very much, everyone, for listening. During the week, we will have a football podcast out about the Ireland games and we'll look back on all three games uh, in a lot more detail. Thanks very much and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>